part two of vicksburg national military park mississippi by william c everhart this librivox recording is in the public domain the vicksburg campaign grant moves against vicksburg and succeeds in the eyes of many in the north grant's army had floundered in the swamps for months with nothing to show for it except a steadily mounting death list from disease criticism of the union commander mounted i don't know what to make of grant he's such a quiet little fellow said lincoln thinking of the more flamboyant leaders who had led his eastern armies the only way i know he's around is by the way he makes things git lincoln had grown increasingly fond of grant whose army while ineffective had never been inactive now he declared to grant's critics i think we'll try him a little longer although grant had made every effort to navigate the bayous and reach vicksburg he was later to record that little hope had been entertained that success would greet these ventures while waiting for the dry season which would permit land operations however he had determined to exhaust every possibility and to retain the fighting edge of his army by keeping it constantly on the move as april arrived and the roads began to emerge from the slowly receding waters grant prepared to execute the movement which he had believed from the first to be the logical approach against vicksburg marching down the west bank of the mississippi through louisiana crossing the river south of the city and laying siege to it from the rear porter runs the vicksburg batteries grant's vicksburg campaign officially began on march twenty ninth eighteen sixty three when he ordered mcclernand's corps to open a road for the army from milliken's bend to the river below the city considerable work had been done previously when it was contemplated that a canal from duckport to the river below vicksburg might offer passage to the fleet falling waters had finally defeated this plan and during april mcclernand's engineers labored to bridge streams corduroy roads and build flatboats to cross areas still covered by floodwaters during that month also elements of the army of the tennessee accomplished the seventy-mile march and assembled at a small hamlet appropriately named hard times in view of grant's unpleasant bayou experiences here they were across the river from the confederate stronghold of grand gulf twenty-five miles below vicksburg to ferry the union army across the mississippi it was necessary for porter's fleet in anchorage north of vicksburg to run the batteries and rendezvous with grant below while naval craft singly and in groups had on occasion passed these batteries successfully before it was still a formidable undertaking for which careful preparation was required as protection against shell-fire each vessel had its port side which would face the vicksburg guns in passage piled high with bales of cotton hay and grain coal barges were lashed alongside as an additional defense shortly before midnight april sixteen confederate pickets and skiffs at the bend of the river above vicksburg saw the muffled fleet bearing down upon them and quickly gave the alarm tar barrels along the bank were ignited and buildings in the small village of de soto across the river were set afire the blinding light of a great flare helped illuminate the river and outline the fleet for the confederate gunners tier upon tier of the river batteries thundered down on the union vessels in return these boats delivered their broadsides into the city as they passed so close that the clatter of bricks from falling buildings could be heard on board 
through this magnificent but terrible spectacle one of the most fearful pageants of the war steamed the fleet in single file their heavy shot walked right through us related porter every one of the twelve boats was hit repeatedly many went out of control and revolved slowly with the current despite the furious bombardment only one craft was sunk within a few days damages were repaired and the fleet joined the army at the village of hard times because of the difficulty of supplying the army by wagon train over the wretched road from milliken's bend six transports and twelve barges loaded with supplies ran the batteries a few nights later with the loss of one transport and six barges the river crossing grant's plan was to make an assault landing at grand gulf a fortified road junction on the bluffs at the mouth of the big black river on april twenty nine the union gunboats pounded the grand gulf fortifications for six hours seeking to neutralize the defenses and clear the landing for ten thousand federal infantry aboard transports just beyond range of the confederate cannon the naval attack failed to reduce the Confederate works, and that night Grant marched southward along the Louisiana shore to a landing opposite Bruinsburg. There he was met by the fleet, which then slipped downstream under cover of darkness. By noon of the following day, April 30, Grant was across the Mississippi, experiencing a degree of relief scarcely ever equaled since i was now in the enemy's country with a vast river and the stronghold of vicksburg between me and my base of supplies but i was on dry ground on the same side of the river with the enemy all the campaigns labors hardships and exposures from the month of december previous to this time that had been made and endured were for the accomplishment of this one object grant's landing was unopposed partly because of two diversionary movements and partly because of pemberton's decision to hold his army close to vicksburg and fight a defensive campaign both diversions were completely successful on april seventeenth the day after porter's running of the batteries had indicated grant's strategy of striking from the south colonel b h grierson with a thousand cavalrymen moved out from southwestern tennessee on one of the celebrated cavalry raids of the war they rode entirely through the state of mississippi behind pemberton's army to a junction with union forces at baton rouge louisiana on sixteen days grierson covered six hundred miles interfering with confederate telegraph and railroad communications and forcing pemberton to detach a division of infantry to protect his supply and communication lines sherman whose corps had not yet made the march from milliken's bend made an elaborate feint above vicksburg loading his men aboard every available gunboat transport and tug he landed at haines bluff north of vicksburg leading pemberton to expect the real attack from that direction both moves helped screen grant's true objective the events immediately following grant's landing revealed a basic difference in tactical concepts between pemberton commanding the army of vicksburg and general joseph e johnston his superior who was in charge of confederate operations in the west johnston believed that to defeat grant it would be necessary for pemberton to unite his whole force in order to smash the union army preferably before grant could consolidate his position on the east bank accordingly he wired pemberton on may second if grant's army crosses unite all your troops to beat him success will give you back what was abandoned to win it 
it was pemberton's concept that holding vicksburg was vital to the confederacy and that he must primarily protect the city and its approaches to have marched his army to meet grant would have stripped vicksburg and its essential flank defences of their garrisons and the city itself might have fallen an easy prey into the eager hands of the enemy this inability of pemberton and johnston to reach agreement upon the tactics that might thwart grant's invasion seriously affected subsequent confederate operations and prevented effective cooperation between the two commanders in the vicksburg campaign the battle of port gibson mcclernand's corps immediately upon debarking on april thirty headed for the bluffs three miles inland by nightfall the federal soldiers had reached the high ground and pushed on toward port gibson thirty miles south of vicksburg from this point roads led to grand gulf vicksburg and jackson major general john s bowen moved his grand bluff command toward port gibson to intercept the threat and at daylight on may one leading elements of the union advance clashed with bowen's troops barring the two roads which led to port gibson the battle of port gibson was a series of furious day-long engagements over thickly wooded ridges cut by deep precipitous gullies and covered with dense undergrowth while greatly outnumbering bowen mcclernand was prevented by the rugged terrain from bringing his whole force into action slowly forced backward bowen conducted an orderly retreat through the town which he evacuated the holding action had cost bowen eight hundred casualties from his command of eight thousand union losses were about the same from a force at hand of about twenty three thousand Pemberton determined not to contest Grand Gulf, lest he risk being cut off from Vicksburg and withdrew across the Big Black River. Thus he permitted Grant to occupy Grand Gulf and gave him a stronghold on the east bank of the Mississippi. The Strategy of the Vicksburg Campaign Grant's overall strategy, up to the capture of Grand Gulf, had been first to secure a base on the river below Vicksburg, and then to cooperate with Major General Nathaniel P. Banks in capturing Port Hudson. After this, he planned to move the combined force against Vicksburg. Port Hudson, a strong point on the Mississippi near Baton Rouge, was garrisoned by Confederate troops after Farragut's withdrawal the previous summer at grand gulf grant learned that bank's investment of port hudson would be delayed for some time to follow his original plan would force postponement of the vicksburg campaign for at least a month giving pemberton invaluable time to organize his defense and receive reinforcements from this delay the union army could expect the addition of no more than twelve thousand men grant now came to one of the most remarkable decisions of his military career information had been received that a new confederate force was being raised at jackson forty-five miles east of vicksburg against the advice of his senior officers and contrary to orders from washington grant resolved to cut himself off from his base of supply on the river march quickly in between the two confederate forces and defeat each separately before they could join against him meanwhile he would subsist his army from the land through which he marched the plan was well conceived for in marching to the northeast toward edward station on the railway midway between jackson and vicksburg grant's vulnerable left flank would be protected by the big black river moreover his real objective vicksburg or jackson would not be revealed immediately and could be changed to meet events 
upon reaching the railroad he could also sever pemberton's communications with jackson and the east it was grant's belief that although the confederate forces would be greater than his own this advantage would be offset by their wide dispersal and by the speed and design of his march but this calculated risk was accompanied by grave dangers of which grant's lieutenants were acutely aware it meant placing the union army deep in alien country behind the confederate army where the line of retreat could be broken and where the alternative to victory would not only be defeat but complete destruction the situation was summed up in sherman's protest recorded by grant that i was putting myself in a position voluntarily which an enemy would be glad to maneuver a year or a long time to get me the action into which pemberton was drawn by the union threat indicated the keenness of grant's planning the confederate general believed that the farther grant campaigned from the river the weaker his position would become and the more exposed his rear and flanks accordingly pemberton elected to remain on the defensive keeping his army as a protective shield between vicksburg and the union army and awaiting an opportunity to strike a decisive blow a policy which permitted grant to march inland unopposed with the arrival of sherman's corps from milliken's bend grant's preparations were complete and on may seven the union army marched out from grand gulf to the northeast his widely separated columns moved out on a broad front concealing their objective when assembled grant's army numbered about forty five thousand during the campaign to oppose him pemberton had available about fifty thousand troops but these were scattered widely to protect important points on the day of grant's departure from grand gulf pemberton's defensive position was further complicated by orders from president jefferson davis that both vicksburg and port hudson must be held at all cost the union army however was already between vicksburg and port hudson and would soon be between vicksburg and jackson in comparison with campaigns in the more thickly populated eastern theater where a more extensive system of roads and railroads was utilized to provide the tremendous quantities of food and supplies necessary to sustain an army the campaign of grant's western veterans regular great big hell snorters same breed as ourselves said a charitable johnny reb was a new type of warfare the union supply train largely consisted of a curious collection of stylish carriages buggies and lumbering farm wagons sacked high with ammunition boxes and drawn by whatever mules or horses could be found grant began his wilderness campaign in virginia the following year requiring over fifty six thousand horses and mules for his five thousand wagons and ambulances artillery caissons and cavalry lacking transportation food supplies were carried in the soldier's knapsack beef poultry and pork requisitioned from barn and smokehouse enabled the army which had cut loose from its base to live for three weeks on five days rations a noted historian described this campaign the campaign was based on speed speed and light rations foraged off the country and no baggage nothing at the front but men and guns and ammunition and no rear no slackening of effort no respite for the enemy until vicksburg itself was invested and fell the battles of raymond and jackson when it became likely that grant might strike the railroad in the vicinity of edward station pemberton moved from vicksburg toward that point with his main force leaving a strong reserve in this city 
at the same time he ordered the units collecting at jackson to hit grant's flank and rear if the opportunity presented itself major general john a logan's division in advance of mcpherson's union corps reached the vicinity of raymond a crossroads village fifteen miles from jackson on may twelfth and was there engaged by a confederate brigade under brigadier general john gregg a sharp clash lasting several hours followed gregg's outmanned infantry being driven back toward jackson each side lost about five hundred men during the engagement confederate resistance at raymond indicated to grant that jackson might be held more strongly than had been anticipated and rumors reached the union commander that strong reinforcements under johnston were expected there grant then determined to make sure of jackson and on may thirteenth wheeled his entire army toward the east johnston arrived by rail in jackson on the night of the raymond engagement in order to take field command of all troops defending vicksburg and was notified that grant's army was between pemberton's forces and those in jackson about twelve thousand troops were at jackson against which the entire union army was reported to be moving johnston telegraphed richmond i am too late in a pouring rain sherman and mcpherson approached jackson on the morning of may fourteenth johnston posted the brigades of general gregg and brigadier general w h t walker on the approaches to the city with instructions to hold just long enough for valuable stores to be removed from jackson northward to canton where he hoped to combine forces with pemberton delaying their attack until the rain which would spoil their powder slackened the union infantry charged the confederate entrenchments driving the defenders before them and capturing the city along with thirty-five guns and much equipment having intercepted a dispatch from johnston to pemberton ordering a junction of all confederate troops grant put his men on the road towards edward station at daylight the following morning his plan was to drive a wedge between the confederate forces before johnston circling to the north could effect a junction with pemberton sherman remained in jackson to destroy the railroad yards and stores the battle of champions hill events preceding the battle of champions hill emphasize the opposing tactical views held by the two confederate commanders pemberton believed the retention of vicksburg so imperative that no move which might endanger the city should be considered it was johnston's view that admiral porter's successful passage of the batteries and grant's approach from the rear had already doomed the city and that it was consequently valuable only for the military supplies and troops which it contained johnston believed that the south's only chance to prevent loss of the mississippi was for pemberton and himself to join forces and fight the great battle which might smash and destroy grant's army on the morning of may fourteenth pemberton at edward station received the dispatch from johnston a copy of which grant had already intercepted informing him of the position of union troops at clinton between the two confederate forces and ordering him if practical come up on his grant's rear at once pemberton considered the order suicidal convinced that johnston's recent arrival on the field and separation from the main body did not give him sufficient information to survey the situation accurately pemberton called a council of war and placed the order before his commanders 
although a majority of his council favored obedience to johnston's order pemberton was unwilling to endorse a movement which might endanger vicksburg it was decided to move instead against grant's supposed communications which were believed essential to the union army's existence away from the river on may fifteen pemberton marched to the southeast with seventeen thousand men his route further separating him from johnston to the north grant meanwhile prepared to head westward his line of march threatening to pierce the gap between johnston and pemberton and beat both of them in the race for vicksburg on the morning of the sixteenth a second order was received from johnston ordering pemberton to move to the north and join johnston this order was obeyed but as pemberton's troops were countermarching they were struck by union troops the battle of champions hill centered around a crescent-shaped ridge of about seventy-five feet elevation near the champion plantation home and involved three parallel roads leading from edward station to raymond each of pemberton's three divisions led by general bowen general loring and major general carter l stevenson covered one of these roads the battle opened shortly before noon on the sixteenth when brigadier general a p hovey's union division supported by logan's division attacked along the north road which passed over the slope of champions hill from the crest of the hill stevenson's confederate division opened a heavy fire on the advancing union lines which steadily mounted the ridge driving the confederates back and capturing eleven guns to meet this threat to the confederate left flank bowen's division was shifted to the north to prevent a breakthrough reforming his lines bowen counterattacked the ridge position he dislodged the federal infantry driving them from the slope and recaptured all but two of the lost guns grant in turn was now compelled to reinforce his hard-pressed right and at three thirty p m massed union batteries concentrated fire on the ridge the federal infantry followed with heavy and repeated attacks along the entire line and for the third time the hill changed hands pemberton was unable to rally his troops against these attacks and the divisions of bowen and stevenson began to retreat toward baker's creek loring was detailed to hold the road open for the withdrawal of the confederate army before loring could rejoin the main body after its crossing of the stream the union army secured the crossings loring was thus cut off and he was only able to join johnston after a long three-day march around the union army pemberton retreated toward vicksburg and that night took position at big black river twelve miles east of the city the battle of champions hill or baker's creek was the bloodiest action of the vicksburg campaign the numbers actually engaged were relatively equal although a large union reserve was close at hand pemberton lost nearly four thousand men not counting the entire division of loring which was lost to his army grant listed casualties of two thousand five hundred with hovey losing one-third of his entire division killed and wounded the battle of big black river not knowing that loring's division had been cut off pemberton made a stand at the big black river in order to hold the bridges open for loring to join the main force the confederate entrenchments spanned the river at a readily defensible location where the stream made a horseshoe bend across the mile-wide neck of the river the confederates constructed a line of works and behind the earthworks with their backs to the river were placed four thousand infantry of bowen's division supported by artillery 
before dawn on the seventeenth the union army pushed on toward vicksburg grant still hoping to win the race for vicksburg had dispatched sherman's corps to the north to pass the retreating confederate army as grant engaged it from the front at an early hour the federal troops came in sight of the confederate line whereupon they opened an artillery barrage and deployed to assault before the deployment was complete brigadier general eugene a carr's division charged with a shout from the woods fronting the confederate position realizing the danger of their position where they might be cut off from the crossing to their rear the confederate troops broke and headed for the bridges in disorder after the withdrawal the bridges were burned effectively halting union pursuit in the confusion grant captured over a thousand prisoners along with eighteen artillery pieces while pemberton's army retreated into the defenses of vicksburg grant's engineers immediately began construction of bridges across the big black river using trees cotton bales and lumber from nearby buildings as bridging materials sherman's corps which had struck the river eleven miles to the north attempting to outflank pemberton and prevent his retreat to vicksburg threw a pontoon bridge across the river at that point by light of pitch torches the bridges were completed during the night on the following morning may eighteen troops crossed en route to vicksburg the campaign ended the Union Army, now within a few miles of its long-sought objective, had, in the eighteen days since it crossed the Mississippi, completed one of the most noteworthy campaigns of the war. Marching deep into enemy territory, the Army of the Tennessee had successfully lived off the country while fighting and winning five engagements and inflicting critical losses in men and equipment, had prevented Johnston and Pemberton from joining forces, and had driven the Army of Vicksburg into the defenses of the city. By noon of May 18, with Grant's advance expected momentarily, Pemberton believed the defenses of Vicksburg strong enough to stand off the Union Army until Johnston received sufficient reinforcements to raise the expected siege and prevent loss of the Mississippi River. There, while inspecting his defenses, Pemberton received a dispatch from Johnston advising the evacuation of Vicksburg, which Johnston felt was already doomed. Military necessity demanded that, instead of losing both troops and place, we must, if possible, save the troops. If it is not too late, evacuate Vicksburg and its dependencies and march to the northeast. Unwilling to yield the city without a fight, Pemberton placed the order before his senior officers. They were of unanimous opinion that it would be impossible to withdraw the army from this position with such morale as to be of further service to the Confederacy. As the Council of War reached its decision to remain and fight, Union guns opened on the works. The siege of Vicksburg had begun. End of Part 2